We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, friends. It's Kirk Henderson from Mavs Moneyball. You're joining me for a uh, episode of Kirk, Your Enthusiasm, and I'm joined by the Dallas area's second favorite Slovenian, Iztok Franco. How are you, Iztok? Hi, hi, Kirk. I'm doing great. Thanks for the second favorite Slovenian. You are because, and and that's like I think we should just hop right in to why you're here today. Because earlier today, like within the last two hours, you published an article, your most recent for D Magazine, called "How uh, the Title Is How Luca Got His Groove Back," and it is a delightful read. And for those who you know maybe either new to the show or haven't heard is talking a while, is talking came on a while back, but. And we want to, I would like to have you on like once a month if I could, just talking about math stuff. But frankly, the season was bleh, and the, there wasn't any fun data to talk about because of uh, COVID, where there's just weird stuff happening. But now we're sitting on a really solid month where the Mavericks are looking like the team we we had sort of hoped at the, kind of at the, the, the higher levels of our hopes. And you have a great article with a ton of information um about how the season's going and and where do you think we ought to start i mean like you said it's been a funny season and not i mean for both the mavericks as a team or even the league as a whole because of the covid but also for luca yeah so i think a lot of like different things happened uh, in the season so with this article specifically what i wanted to see is because until uh, Luca went out, so first time in November and then in December, it was, and then COVID hit, it was like Merricks were struggling for life. They were kind of turning around a little bit when, during the COVID, when they went 505, where everybody thought maybe they will, I don't know, just tank. 
But then in January, when Luca came back, they all things just started to click. So the defense, even Luca, although, and that was the point of the article, even if you just look at the shooting numbers, they are much worse. They, they, they even regressed. But if you look at his game as a whole, both from the deeper numbers, but also from just how he plays, it's way different. So I started to observe this in January. So in some games versus the Raptors, versus the Golden State, the first game, then versus Chicago, even when his shooting percentage was bad, he was still manipulating defenses. They were doubling. So his assist rate went up. And the other thing that I looked around was really getting to the free throw line. Because mm. I remember at the beginning of the season, we talked about the new rules. Maybe it's Luca stepped slow because he wasn't getting to the free throw line. And this is something that really changed. So in October, he had like 4.7 free throws attempts per game. And now in January, he's at 8.2, which is almost double. Mm-hmm. The free throws, you know, you and I talked offline about a game that I got to attend in person, Oklahoma City, where he was just relentlessly attacking the paint and getting hit the whole time. And, you know, to the fact that they're calling these makes me feel a little better because like the, the counterpoint to him, and I'm not sure if you've seen uh, the Spurs play much, but they've got DeJounte Murray, mm-hmm. who his free throw rate is 0.13, which is horrendous. It That's worse than what KP's was last year and we were kicking the crap out of him. And I was watching some clips and he's just driving in the lane and not getting calls. Like, it's not that he's just, you know, that sort of thing where with Luca, he's finally sort of earning the the calls the physicality he always wants more which you know that's yeah. normal but th- that he's getting some of these contact calls um sort of in that sweet spot the middle area where he tends to like those floaters is yeah. really it's it's really been amazing to see because the like that stark of a difference what did you say 4.7 to 8.2 yeah yeah like yeah. that's an incredible percentage change and is it because you know, based on the data, it's one thing. But in your opinion, is that because he's really playing differently, or is the game kind of getting called a little differently? I think it's kind of both. We always see this when some new rules are implemented, and we see Harden struggled early on in the season. Luca, a lot of these guys that were getting a lot of calls struggled, and now the free throw rate kind of regress to the mean, but for Luca and these guys in the positive way. So it is a little bit of that, but also there are two things that I also wrote in the article. I think Luca is playing differently, so he's driving much more. So his drive rate increased every month. He's getting in the post more, almost doubled post rates from the beginning in the season uh, to January. It was never this high any time in the past. And so this is one thing he's getting in the paint, uh, in the paint also, when he you see him play, uh, sometimes when he tries to draw contact, he would always usually then shoot the basket. Sometimes now he's passing and then he's like uh, in his mind, oh, I should try to get the shooting foul. So I think this is from prior rules because he was a little bit scared to like initiate contact on person. And I think he's getting some of this back. Mm-hmm. But the other part that I wrote also in the article, I think is Jason Keith. I think he's... To me, it was like he's kind of playing these mind games with players. And I think it's also a little bit with Luca, just putting him in different spots on the floor and trying to see what works in what kind of environment. Uh, because I think he his mind is all only on the playoffs based on how I see. I don't think he really cares about 
uh, how the offense looks in the regular season. Hmm. And I think, you know, judging, like, we'll talk about the talent of the team kind of a little bit later, hmm. but I think that that is a, a wise strategy and it looks really good now because as you point out, <clears throat> the Mavericks are seven games over 500 at the moment while not necessarily like they played well, obviously the last month, but I still don't think they're anywhere close to what really like the ceiling could be for how, like with, you know, with Luca playing better with Porzingis finding his shot. So it's like using the season as an experimentation ground and getting away with it is pretty remarkable because early in the season, they were a terrible defense and a terrible offense. So to sort of swing back through is amazing to me. Yeah, and to me, I, I think everybody or most of us was skeptical uh, skeptical about Jason Kidd. And there are some stuff yeah, from the past that can still make you think about it. But the more that I listen to him, every game, last time when Luca played 70 straight minutes, he said, I'm testing this. Maybe it will happen in the playing game. So mm. I think he knows that some of the offense, like... If Merricks would want the most efficient regular season offense, we probably know the recipe. So it's like Porzingis at the five and spread pick and roll with Luca 90 times per game. But I think, and this is what I put in the article, is he's trying to see how Luca attacking from different angles works. So they're trying like this, uh, a lot of from initiate offense inside out from the post. They're trying some away actions. And you can see it also in the data. I think Luca is buying a little bit more into into dribbling less so touch touch time data and average dribble data is the lowest it's been in the last two two years uh, okay. in january so this is something i think it's not huge difference but i think you see him like they're trying to get him in position on the court on different parts of the court not always him initiating and uh, bringing the ball up and then initiating and attacking from the pick and roll and i think kid is doing this to, to see to have different counters in the playoffs. Sure. And one thing that sort of drove me nuts about the Rick Carlisle Mavericks was that they would find something that worked and then they would just never go to it again. And I, in American football over here, there's my, my favorite team, this team called the Kansas City Chiefs. And they do this too, where they're they're so good that they figure out what works and then they just go away from it. But the difference between them and the Mavericks is that they're very, very good and can get away with it. The Carlisle Mavericks over the last two years were, they were what, a, what seed were they in 2020, 21? I can't remember. Seven. Okay. So seven and five, they played the Clippers both times. They're not good enough to put things away. You know, you need to use them. And one of the things I've really gotten a kick out of, and I want to, I would love to hear your thoughts on this because we haven't had a chance to talk about it. In the Portland game, for example, there was a stretch where Luca and Porzingis ran pick and roll over and over and over again. And it wasn't particularly effective, at least on the Porzingis end. He was kind of struggling. But the Mavericks just hadn't done that in a while that I could really remember. And part of this might just be my memory because I watch games differently depending on whether I'm writing it or not. But I love I love the the idea of just spamming the pick and roll with Luca and, and Doncic, or I'm sorry, Luca and Porzingis, because you know, you note in the article, Porzingis is really struggling offensively from certain parts of the floor, particularly playing with Luca. And if they're if the Mavericks hope to go anywhere in the playoffs, that has to change. So they like almost have to work through this because you shared a tweet the other day that had 
uh, and please correct my numbers, but season like the the effective field goal percentage for Porzingis on pick and pops is so far it, yeah, it's not yeah. even an outlier. Like I don't know like what shoot, you would he's call shooting fifteen percent from free on pick and pops, but <laughs> but the sample is really small, and that's another thing that I know that it's. They kind of used half of the season to get to start to think that they will basically rely on a lot in the playoffs mm-hmm. because in offense, everybody knows this is something that has to work. And I think it goes back to what we talked at the beginning, that it was a weird season both for Luca and KP trying to catch the rhythms. So they they haven't tried really this. And now I think it's with uh, Maxi in the starting lineup and Prozing is playing the five. And now they have... Kind of an easier stretch, like you said, like the Portland game, because Portland was so bad they could get away with anything. I think Luca just got bored and started throwing these ridiculous passes. Uh, so there are, I think, rest of the schedule until the, uh, the All-Star game is quite easy. So I hope they try stuff like you said, try to get KP's confidence back, because if they want to make this, if they want to make this work again, he needs to hit the shots because... Now teams are not defending him on the pops, which never happened at, uh, nope. in the past. So this is something they will, they will need to get back to. And I think they will. I think the, the shooting probably will uh, will come or regress to the minute in some, in some form. I'm probably wrong about this, but part of me wants to see Porzingis have a three to four game stretch where he's taking 10 threes a game on these pick and pops, because I think he just needs to get out of the funk and he's, he's always been overrated as a shooter always, but he's not a bad shooter. He's a, he's a good shooter. You know, he's, Mm. he could stand to be a little better, but he's got this straight line arc and when it's going, it's really going. And I just sort of hope he needs to, to, to work through whatever is going on because the, the, the point that you make, and I know this, but every time I read it, 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 it shocks me that Luca is the most doubled player in the NBA. And for him to be as effective as he is and has the Mavericks have been while they're still working through this dysfunction is really, really interesting to me. It, you know, and, and you and I talked, I don't know, we probably had three podcasts over the last six months. And one of the times we were pretty skeptical of Jason Kidd. Another time we were very just ugh, on this team, but now I'm, the way I'm looking at this, I do think that that kid and that coaching staff, because I watch the coaching staff too, like they are really mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, they're as, as cohesive of a coaching staff that I can remember watching regularly because with Carlisle, it's just so much Carlisle dominance. Mm-hmm. And this team, like they look like they collaborate a lot. And so it's, I'm really. I'm not quite to the point to where I'm going to say I was wrong because I'm sorry. When you have a track record like kids, you're open to to skepticism. But that it's working like it has been is really cool and really um, interesting because I think we we were all collectively sort of tired of watching this team just with the same parts. Yeah. And the fact that they managed to reinvent and then you know win games while still having places to go this late in the season is actually really interesting for me. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, the offense is still bad. They're still, I think, 17th, <laughs> 17th of offense. But where I change my opinion is maybe, yeah, like I said, how I look at it. I think, I hope I'm not wrong. As I said, I think that 
kid is really trying just like putting this different situation on the floor, even knowing that they might not pan out or they, it might not end up in a beautiful offense. And going back to Porzingis, three-point shooting, this is again what I see. It's, I don't know if it's true, but I think early in their season, they were so inclined to get him close to the basket, get him these post-ups. So I think he was kind of out of his shooting rhythm that he was in the past, you know, because in the past he was a lot of time spotting up at the three-point line, uh, preparing together, together to shoot and getting in these pick and pops. And this didn't happen a lot early in the season. So here I agree with you. So I think if they will try to spam and try to do this a little bit more, it will just open another option for them to go on offense. Mm-hmm. And I part of why I keep talking about it is because Frankly, I just like watching Luca operate out of the pick and roll with somebody who is multi-skilled because when Dwight's in the game, you know Dwight's rolling. When Dwight, mm-hmm. if Dwight pops, they're just doubling and they figure the defenses can scramble. It's it's part of why, you know, the, we've just looked for for and have hoped for the Mavericks to sign different guys over the last several years. Uh, Luca with a with a role man cuz Porzingis is a pretty good decision maker in the short roll. He doesn't do it as much as as you know, I don't know. He but you you know my my uh, love of making fun of his dribbling left for yeah. no reason. But I I, I trust Porzingis's basketball skills more than just a, or like uh, his his mind more than a lot of the guys on the team. And so it's just you know if Luke is going to get doubled half to death, they have to figure you know they really have to work this out because. You know, one one three from Porzingis tends to shake things up. I'm just I'm I'm really looking forward to to seeing how how they figure this out. Now, you did say something to me when we were talking before the show. You know, you wrote this this article here, and again, I'm posting it in the podcast. You should click on it. How Luka Doncic got his groove back. Tons of information in it. One thing you did say to me, which I'm very interested about, is you said they cut some of the nerdy stuff for editing <laughs> length, and now I, I was like. I'm looking like you got like five graphs in this things and a ton of information. So what <laughs> qualifies? What qualifies as nerdy stuff that isn't already well, in the article? Was, it was joke. It was part of some of the actions that I was talking about. So, so as I said, uh, if you look closely, basically every action out of each half, they go either to some flex action uh, for Porzingis or Doncic to get them in the post. Lately, they started similar like with uh, Steph Curry. Like with these away actions for Luca to get, uh, to get, you know, like curling around screens to get to the middle. So mm. this is what I I put it in the article that the kid is using Luca like a queen on a chessboard and putting in different positions because a queen is the most dangerous piece and it attracts so much attention. And this is what I think he's trying to do, like playing a chess. Like, what if I initiate it from this part and this part? How will you know? How will other people react? You are. Uh, mentioning short roll, uh, for example, and this is, I think, an area where does doesn't actually have a big who is really good in the short roll. Porzingis is good IQ wise and he can shoot it, but he cannot really dribble, especially in pressure situations because he's just too tall, I think. And uh, so somebody there, and we see closeouts attacking. This year, this is also something that I. It's not that it was edited from the article, but it was part of my analysis. League as a whole changed this year. Defenses, we see much more switching. We see much more, uh, not only Dallas, like Dallas is playing, but much more 
teams defending higher, showing bigs in pick and roll and returning at the back, which means that Luca is passing more and then you have to be able to attack closeouts. So Jalen Brunson in the starting lineup, I think it helps because he's very good when he needs to go and when it, he just needs to decision and pay and make the opposition pay when they double Luca or when there are two on the ball. But for example, Dorian, I think, is one player that Kid is trying to put in this position. That Maxi on the other height is just not that guy. So I think Dallas probably lacks another guy, maybe to replace uh, what Max is doing, who can who can do this more, who can put the, uh, the ball on the floor, take two free dribbles, pass, drive, uh, and uh, not only catch and shoot. Right, right. Oh, man. So one thing that was published today as well was Zach Lowe's piece, uh, his 10 things, which is always really fun. And Zach Lowe's been gone for a while because he had a family situation. And he talks a little bit about the Mavericks. And one of the things he 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 talks about in it is is basically Luca maybe needing to cut a little bit more. And so I assume you've watched Luca for longer than I have. And I'm curious if there's anything that Real Madrid and then, you know, the the, the Slovenian national team did with Luca that you think might benefit both Luca and the Mavericks now that they aren't really doing. Yeah, I think cutting or playing a little bit more off ball. I think this is something that we are starting to see a little bit more. And this is what I was talking about before in January. So if you look at the data, his average dribble time was reduced from, I think, like for almost one dribble, which doesn't sound a lot. But when you're talking about average five or four dribbles or five or six, it's quite a lot, you know, and mm-hmm. the same with the touch time. So all this, all this stuff is done. And this, I think, some of the stuff the Slovenian national team, for example, was trying to do just uh, the things that I was trying to explain before. Sure. Uh, getting Luca in position to catch the ball in different stuff. They also played a little bit faster, but also it's a little bit difficult to compare. You know, FIBA game is a little bit different. Sure. Uh, also, especially regular season, I think it's a little bit different, but I think some of the kid messaging of trying to move the ball faster, share the ball a little bit more, I think some of the thing is is catching up with Luca. I think this is the way I I see it. To what extent we will see? I think uh, sometimes they are probably still lacking players to to do even more of that. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um... Let me see here. Just got an email from work. <laughs> Podcasting and working at the same time. Very, very hard to do on occasion. Um, trying to think what else I, I wanted to ask you because, you know, we we, we talk a lot and, and then, you know, I, I can't remember what is and isn't like stuff we should actually bring up on the main thing. Um, you know, this is kind of outside both your and I's wheelhouse, but it's at least worth asking. We're within two weeks of sort of the, the trade mm-hmm. deadline. Uh, do you, do you have any sort of opinions about what you would like to see the Mavericks do? Maybe not players, but, but things that, yeah. that you know, does that question make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, sure. I mean, in big or in the grand scheme of things, I think, and I've been talking about this, not lately, but a lot in the past, I think the gap between where, like you said, the Mavericks are right now, they're a good team. But they always been in the past, like in net rating, in last two, three seasons, they've been somewhere between the 7th and 11th place. 
And this is very, this is good, but this is the gap between the top six teams, which are typically the ones that make it to the second round or even conference finals, is then quite big. And this gap is typically having at least two top 30, top 20 players. So in grand scheme of things, this is what the Merricks lack. I don't know if they have the means to get this player. I would assume probably not this deadline. But this is something that I think it's really something that changes the dynamics and, let's say, the potential of this team. On the smaller, on the margins, like where this team can go and maybe make it to the second round, maybe make some noise, if they are playing, keep playing this defense, I think getting another player in the starting lineup, as I said, to replace the Maxi role, although Maxi was great last month on defense, but just another guy who can be a wing player, a wing defender, but who can also maybe do a little bit more than just catch and shoot. So who can, who can, uh, who can drive a little bit, who can put it on the floor, who can make make decisions a little bit uh, in the pressure situations. Because this is what happens in the playoffs, and we saw it in the last two playoffs that some of these guys are just not capable of doing that. Well, not to play to my audience here, but <laughs> you are describing one potential buyout candidate in Goran Dragic. And my question for you is, people seem to not understand that he was literally the second best player on a finals team 18 months ago. In your opinion, uh, well, I have a pair of questions surrounding Goran. One, do you think he is still capable of playing reasonably high-level basketball for 20 minutes a night? And then two, are... Are we are do the Mavericks still need that veteran guy that we talked about earlier in the season? Because we kind of pigeonholed him as being a potential quiet leader that the team needed. And I'm curious if you think they still need that. Because I'm I'm not as sure as I am wasn't what you know, maybe mainly just because they're winning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, in a way, he's a similar player to Brunson, you know. He's he's a guy who can be your second secondary ball handler. I think he's better pick and roll player, better passer, better decision makers maker, but probably not probably, but worse at getting his own shot or making his own shot. Also, if he's still capable, it's a little bit hard to say. Mentally, I think he was over the last half a year in the really tough spot. He had a divorce, a tough divorce. I think that was also written uh, in Slovenian media, and this is one thing. But I saw, for example, that he's, he he had the personal trainer trained with him, brought him from Slovenia last two weeks. So he's always a guy who is always trained very seriously and is always uh, well prepared. So I think, I don't know, I hope if he ends up in Dallas that it's like a Blake Griffin story from last year, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, Griffin, like set out like two months of the season and then he was great for his capabilities in the playoffs. So I think... Definitely having another guy, just another high, I think he's definitely much better than Tradeborg. So if you have this third guy who can create something and who can get, and he's very competitive. So I think that's one thing. Uh, he is a guy who always go hard. hard. Um, but we'll see. Uh, like you said, I think we'll see what Toronto does. Yeah, it's, I don't it's, think they trade. Buyout guys are so... Like historically, buyout players are massively overrated. Um, yeah. It just, you know, Peja Stojakovic was a huge addition to the 2011 Mavericks. 
uh, he somehow guarded Lamar Odom in the Lakers series, like like basically went shot for shot with Lamar when he was like a corpse at that point. Poor guy just couldn't move. And Stojakovic had been one like I, I don't I could talk about Peja for hours. One of the best European players of all time that doesn't get talked about near enough. Um, but it, it's it, after that, like the last ten years, there just haven't been that many guys. But I sort of think that for what Dallas needs if you get anything other than veteran leadership, you're getting a bonus because no. Brunson, if I have no idea what the Mavericks are going to do with Brunson, it really seems like, like the, the, I I've almost stopped paying attention because it just gives me anxiety. And I know the options are there, but I'm not, I'm not a transactions guy. Like I want to watch mm. basketball. And what we've seen though, from the basketball is that Brunson and Luca are able to play really quite well together, sort of like the role that they envisioned for Luca and Dennis Smith, which is really ironic, you know, years later. And more ball handlers who are triple threats is better. Like that's you know, that's what's made Dorian's season really come together nicely is I made fun of him and I was wrong. Like I didn't think he could do some of the stuff that he can do. And it's helped open up aspects of, of what the Mavericks are trying to do. But then you have like Tim Hardaway before he went down and Maxie, who when they've been asked to do more, they can't do more. It, it's in fact made their games worse on offense. But, you know, bringing in another ball handler that you are really confident in to do something other than shoot just opens up. It opens up options and they need that off the bench if Brunson is going to start. So I'm very, very hopeful for it. Um, it's really the only move I want anything else I'm going to be uh, I'll be fine with because it's just I have a hard time keeping up with the with the transactions game because it's it feels like high school like it feels like like school level like gossip and I just I'm too old for this shit I can't I can't pay attention to it anymore but um well yeah I've kept you for almost half an hour of your Friday evening so I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me is there anything else that we haven't hit on that you think we ought to I don't know. I don't know. You, to That's me, the other part. Yeah. yeah, sure. But no, to I mean, the other part <laughs> I'm curious about is we talked about offense. We talked about offseason. Is the defense? Yeah. How? Where did they end? Because I don't. Oh think yeah. Top, I don't think they're top five defense. But if they stick around top ten, I think that's uh, that's the biggest narrative and the biggest surprise of the season for me. Mm-hmm. Because we, I, I thought, and I think most of us thought that. Okay, this team is never gonna be if they're top top fifteen defense even. So the way they defend and even here, that's when we are talking about some nerdy data. Even here, I think Luca adapted a little bit, and I think if you look uh, how they defend, they typically uh, I wrote about this also in the past. They typically put two on the ball and then they try backline rotation. So mm-hmm. Luca is a lot of times is the one what they call a, a, oftentimes a low man. Or sometimes they call it the MIG, like most important guy on defense. It's the one guy on the weak side who is rotating. So Luca has been in January much more active. I think he doubled the number of possessions where he was he's as a help defender. And here I think he's using his intelligence. So he's trying to be more concise on these vertical contests and stuff like that. So I think this is why the defense looks much better, even with him in the lineup, which wasn't the case earlier in the season. Yeah, and it's the difference between him and a Trey Young, if you're talking about sort of heliocentric ball handlers, is Luca just being 6'7 is an asset because he puts exactly. his hands up and he's tall. Like nothing drives me more crazy when I see NBA players that don't have their hands up because I'm like, guys, it's a small court. You are huge people. Be distractions. 
and and the defensive stuff really is really is interesting to me. I I there's a um I talked about this in the podcast after the Golden State game. Um I think his his handles like Polar Fall. Uh is a Korean guy who Skyfall, sent yeah. me yeah, Skyfall, who sent me a great piece of uh, a great bit of information where he said, as far as he's is he can tell, a team like the Warriors are almost custom made to beat the crap out of the Mavericks defense because mm-hmm. the Mavericks have limited corner threes, but in, in really interesting ways. And they've also been able to limit penetration. But mm-hmm. the Golden State Warriors are able to move the ball so well and also have a lot of athletes who can take the ball off the mm-hmm. dribble that the way they play offense breaks the Mavericks defense because the Mavericks don't have the ability to rotate that quickly. This is something that I wrote when I was earlier this season. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your previous yeah, that, Right. Yeah, and the Mar- yeah, they're good and they compete hard and they're good, let's say, at first-second rotation. So the bad teams, which is most of half on the league now, they're not really good to keep you rotating a lot. But teams like Phoenix... Teams like Golden State, like you said, even a team like Utah that are very good at pick and roll, moving the ball, they will keep you rotating. And I think here, uh, they the first thing the Mavericks try to do is pack the paint, they shrink the floor, and then they rotate. And what I, what I wrote, and this is something where they sometimes struggle is with Luca and KP and Branson now in the lineup. These guys are just not athletic, you know. They're not athletic. Branson is is good, but he's small, so when he closes out on the three-point line, he cannot bother the shots because he's not he doesn't have length. And Luca and KP are just not laterally quick enough to to change directions qu- uh, quickly on the on the defensive end. So this is something that I think might come after them in the playoffs, and that's why, as I said, if you have another guy who can who is, let's say, a lengthy defender, but can also do a little bit more on offense, solves a little bit, because maybe then they can move Branson, I don't know, in the backup role, or they can change the minutes and limit the minutes when all three of Luca Branson and KP play on the floor together. Yeah, yeah, because it's, you know, it's just, it's a a, um, weakness in team building, but compared to where they were, this is just remarkable. Because we've watched them play bad defense for two years before this. And it's the same guys. Like, that's really an indictment of, in my, like, Josh disagrees with me. I think it's an indictment of both Carlisle and Mosley. Because it's like, these are the same people. And you guys didn't do shit with them. No, I agree. I agree. I agree. And also a good point, like you said, uh, Luca versus Trey Young. It's, yeah, it's Luca when he's in this position, Weak side when he can help and rotate and tag the the role guy, the role big guy on in the paint, he's big enough to to stop that or stop some of the actions. And while the smaller guys are just aren't, so I think a lot of things that they did on defense is just trying to put guys in the best positions most of the time. Mm-hmm. I read something I do not remember who said this. It might have been Michael Pena at Sports Illustrated who wrote about the defense and some whoever wrote it said that. And sometimes they use Luca the way that both the Rockets and then the Nets have used James Harden, where they're like, okay, you're just going to be here in this area. You're going to be kind of a zone defender, and we're just going to put you here so we don't have to put you in rotations, which says more to me about James Harden's sort of learned defensive liabilities, where he just learned he didn't have to try because he's so good. 
Luca, I think if the Mavericks are able to get through to him, Jason Kidd and, and, and anybody else that is on the roster, him being a functional part of a defense, he doesn't have to always be a plus defender. He just can't be a, he just can't be terrible. It raises their floor a ton. And that's what, yeah. I mean, you wrote, and you wrote about that in the piece, how he, even yeah. his little bit um, of better defense helps. Yeah, I think that's one thing. As I said, he, I think he, you can see he's bought in. So he, the effort most of the nights, there are nights when he's not good. I think again, the last goal of the thing game was something like that. But most of the nights he's bought in and he's at least trying hard on most of the possessions. As I said, rotating. One of the things, again, where Merrick's really excelled this season is defensive rebounding. They're third mm. in the league in defensive rebounding. And here, Luca, again, if you look, against really good teams on the offensive, on offensive glass, like they played uh, against Memphis, which is one of the best Toronto. He, when he really tries, sometimes he would still not box out, but sometimes when he really tries hard, he can make a difference because he's big and he will go for rebounds. So again, it's there are different areas on defense that, uh, that, can, uh, that can matter. Uh, but we'll see, I think, in the playoffs. This is something that I'm watching now with KP and the five, for example, in the Golden State game when he will have to defend higher again, more pick and rolls, less weak side defense. This is something that's the downsides of KP at the five. And this is why I think Kid and the coaching staff insisted with uh, Powell and KP lineups uh, for so uh, for so long because on defense, on the defense event, it worked much better. Getting Powell, getting plus Powell defensive lineups is, is, is witchcraft. I, <laughs> I mean, it's granted there. Somebody pointed out to me. It's like they're using him and his strengths. He's not standing there in the lane. He's rotating and basically being, you know, a, a, a guy that waves his arms and rotates. And so it's but it's still it's just nuts to me because, I mean, I've spent three years screaming at my television for Dwight Powell to, to not be not play because He's terrible at defense and they've managed to make it work. It's just it's really something I'm really um it's been really fun this last month and not just because they're winning, winning helps, but it's like been actually interesting to watch. Whereas November, late November, early December, I was just like, it was on, it was unwatchable basketball. Like you watch these games the next day, but for live, it's just like, I'm sitting there watching me. Ugh, this is great. So yeah, no, thank you so much for joining today, man. I really, I really appreciate you taking the time. It's always fun talking, talking hoops with you. We got to do this. Uh, Hopefully we'll do it at least one more time before the playoffs. Um, we got 30 something games left, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Uh, so um, uh, we have to do, maybe we do one live when I'm in Dallas, I come to Dallas. Hey, that's right. You're coming here. We're going to, yeah, every, we're, we're going to have to get his talk fat by feeding him all the Texas food. Um, <laughs> all right, guys, before we get out of here, just a reminder on the piece D magazine, I'll, it's linked in your podcast. So open up your podcast, look at your feed, click on that blue thing, because that is literally the link to how Do- Luka Doncic got his groove back on dmagazine.com. You can read his talk there right now. He will write for us at Mavs Moneyball one day, but, you know, a man who lives across the... You live across the world, you have a life. Is, like, there's only so many much time you but, can write in a But day. there is a spoiler. I'm planning... Maybe it's going to be the only piece for Miles Manable, but I'm planning something really geeky, something big and geeky. Just need to t- get time when we come back from the U.S. So Outstanding. Uh, 
See here, that's what we call a tease, guys. This doc is saying, <laughs> and and he mentioned it to me, but I don't want to badger him because limited time in the day to do a lot. You're a busy man. Thank you for taking time out of your night, and we will uh, talk to you soon. Everybody, uh, look for podcasts after the Pacers game and whoever they play next. Bye, guys. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.